Today, we're talking to Billy Sturgis, mid-market sales development rep at SalesLoft, about how to copycat your way to prospecting success. Sales is interesting because we don't really treat it like sports. And I'll give you an example. I played basketball. If you've ever played sports in a basketball, especially, and uh, I would say you're maybe any age, actually, (laughs) you probably wanted to be like Michael Jordan, right? Or Kobe Bryant or Allen Iverson or Tracy McGrady or Kevin Durant or, you know, Steph Curry or whoever, right? We play sports as kids. We emulate professionals that we look up to that are better than us. And the thing that we don't do is we we don't assume that we know the best way to play and just try to figure it out ourselves or to reinvent the wheel. Most of us don't approach sports like that. Yet with sales, we approach it like that. Usually we're very resistant to the training. And I'm not saying that all training is good, by the way, at companies. So it might be a good idea you know, to resist some of it. But we try to reinvent things because sales is a really unnatural thing to do. You have to prioritize the other person's needs over your own. It's a very selfless thing that you have to do in order to be successful at it. Yet the way that we approach it is our own way. We want to do what feels good to us. When one of the easiest things to do is just to replicate success, just look at people that are around you at your company that are doing better than you are and just do the things that they're doing. Say the things that they're saying. You can make it your own style later. No different than a sport. You can practice moves like Michael Jordan or whoever, and then as soon as you realize that you're not Michael Jordan or you don't have the athletic ability or the talent or whatever it is, you adapt your own style. You can do the same thing in sales. And I don't think that we do that enough. And it doesn't have to stop with people at your company. It can be people sharing content on LinkedIn. It could be trainers, coaches like myself. It could be books, whatever it is. Don't be afraid to just copy what's working before you even know how it works or why it works. Just do it, start doing it, get some feedback, and then start looking at breaking it down and understanding why it works and making it your own. And that's what we're going to talk about today, Uh, and I'm super excited about this topic. But before we dig into that, if you're coming to the podcast for the first time, my name's Jason Bay. I'm the host of Blissful Prospecting, and my goal with this podcast is to help you think outside the script and share proven tactics and strategies to help you land more meetings with your ideal clients. Today, I'm talking to Billy Sturgis. And for some reason, every time I hear the name Billy, it always reminds me of that scene in Predator. Billy! Billy, let's go! Yeah, I don't know why. Just just does. But Billy Sturgis is a mid-market sales development rep for SalesLoft. So if you're in the tech space or you use a sales engagement platform, you're probably familiar with SalesLoft. But one of the things he talks about really openly is how he just you know, picks and chooses from, you know, people that he works with that are top performers, uh, books, podcasts, uh, other trainers, consultants, other reps sharing stuff on LinkedIn, how he just, you know, approaches everything from, hey, let me see what's working first and just do that. And then I can make it my own. He actually digs into some really good stuff, though, that I'm excited for you to listen to. One, why he makes cold calls in the morning. Uh, We go over how to handle budget objections, not the right person objections, send me an email objections. And he's also got another way that he approaches email in terms of mentioning patterns and things like that and similarities and common connections that he has with the prospect or that the company has with a prospect's company or a 
client of the company that he's reaching out to. It's really creative. So make sure to check it out. And before you do that, if you look in your podcast player in the notes, there's some free resources in there that you can check out. One of them is the Think Outside the Script Summer Virtual Tour. So if you've been to like one too many webinars where you feel like it's super canned, it's not live, you're not really learning anything, this is the exact opposite. We're doing a summer tour. We just had Kevin Dorsey on last week talking about the formula for cold emailing. We had 435 people on there, uh, folks just like yourself. So make sure to check that out. In the show notes, it's tour.blissfulprospecting.com, right on your podcast player. You should be able to click right on it. And there's one other thing that I think you'll really like, and that's the reply method guide. So if you're looking for more of a structured framework to approach the messaging and what to put in the cold emails, again, that's a free guide as well, blissfulprospecting.com slash reply dash method. Again, in the show notes, you should be able to click it. But without further ado, let's get to the interview. So one of the uh, things that you shared the first time we talked, I thought was hilarious, is that you A-B tested Billy versus William, right? On your LinkedIn <laughs> profile or your emails or something, right? Um, on my intros and emails, yes. So what, what happened when you did this test? I'm, I'm really curious. Well, <laughs> maybe it was just through hard work, you know, cranking out a lot of calls and emails when I was mm-hmm. going by Billy. <laughs> but like the next month I was like, I can't do anything right. Like maybe I just got like switched to William. Maybe like Billy, they think I'm joking with them. Like, Hey, this is Billy from sales. Lines, right. So I switched to William and I, I went right by, I blasted by quota. Like I went like four demos over quota. And I'm like, for then on, I'm like, I don't know if I could go back to Billy. Like you're kind of like ate- Michael Jordan going back to 23 from 45, dude. Exactly. It, it, it was really hard. I mean, I was like, people, I felt like I had better conversations too. Cause like, Hey, this is William. <laughs> like, and like, Oh, someone's like, maybe like, I gotta listen to this person. Sounds serious. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I AB tested it. I did better. I uh, had more conversations and I did see an increase in my reply rates for emails too. So from then on out, sometimes I will introduce myself as bill, but on email, it's mostly William. Yeah, actually, it's already automated into William. So, so this Unless, is like I've talked to him before, and then like it's Bill. Yeah. So <laughs> this is really interesting because there's, I think there's a couple of components to this. There's kind of this testing mentality that you seem to have, where you're very scientific about the things that you test and like what you're testing and measuring it. And there's also something going on here, I think, with prospects where there's sort of biases that people have right? And they make first impressions, or sorry, they make judgments based on someone's name in your case. And I can't imagine what it's like for someone that has like, you know, a name that's hard to pronounce or that looks very foreign, right? So kind of interesting. Let's go back a little bit. Like, when how did you first get into sales? And where did this like testing mentality come from? And I know you were a college athlete too. So maybe some of this stuff started even before then. But where did this testing mentality come from? So, I mean, the testing mentality always come, came from, like, being an athlete, right? Uh, I mean, I played college sports, college sports, but I wasn't the most gifted athlete. I was mm. just very cre- – I'd like to think I was creative um, and how I would execute on my position, right? Uh, whether it came from, like – I would play D-line, so a lot of it's, like, movement and, like, certain moves with your hands. And I would just watch YouTube videos all the time, like, I think I could do that move. Or, like, there would be someone who's just a straight speed rusher. I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> like, that's not in my wheelhouse. 
you know, and just like understanding. I, I think it, it comes with like a big understanding of yourself and what you're capable of doing. All right. And then like finding something that fits in there and adapting it to your, your arsenal, as I would say. Yeah. Um, but my life coming to sales was one that I fought the hardest. I did not want to do it at all. Um, I graduated college. I literally, like, I would, I did construction for about a month, like, just to, like, figure it out. Hated construction. What kind of construction were you doing? I was doing pipe fitting. Um, Okay. And I was an apprentice for a while. I was like, nope, this is not it. Got my first paycheck. I was like, screw this. So you were you working from like for like a plumber or something? And I was working for a union actually, um, and it was like this big. It was it's a big enterprise like uh, construction company. Okay. Um, so I had an apprenticeship with them, and like I was driving out to like Auburn, Alabama, from Atlanta every day. Wow. At, like four o'clock in the morning. And, like I'm like driving there. I'm about to fall asleep on the wheel. It's a three hour drive. And I got my first paycheck. And I was like, I, you know, there's two things that happened. Got my first paycheck. I felt like I could do much better than that. And then I had a guy who I was riding with cause we had to do another project. So I had to go in the same car with him to travel there. He's like, yeah, oh, yeah. If I ever had a kid who went to college and then ended up doing pipe fitting, I'd smack him upside the head. And I was like, <laughs> ouch, ouch. <laughs> but, you know, like, uh, I mean, honestly, like, I lost my dad at a young age. I felt like for that moment, I was like, I think that's an awakening call, maybe like, like a, yeah. a fatherly awakening call. So like, I was like, I quit that day. I was done that day. And uh, I started going to waiting. Uh, well, I, I was a waiter for a while to figure out like, all right, where, like, what's this path in sales going to be like? Cause I honestly had brothers in sales. So I was like, maybe this could be something for me. I like talking to people. I like interact, like having human interactions. Um, so I was a waiter for a while. I did not like that job either. So I was like so motivated to just get my first SDR role. I would literally stay up uh, like late at night with my brother. We'll be like laying in bed and uh, he's in the room next to me. I'm like, Nick, ask me this question for an interview. And then like, I would just rehearse it, right? Again, I'm like, all right, now ask me this. And they'd be like, no, wrong, redo it. And I'd be like, and you know, I just, I kept on practicing, make it repetitive. And then eventually I got my opportunity and never really looked back. I just, I've been so fond of it. You know, like even at my body, I knew nothing. I literally had no clue what I was doing as an SDR. But I started looking up YouTube videos on cold calling practices. I didn't use LinkedIn that much until I got to sales loft, honestly. I didn't know that there was so much information out there. As some because I sold it to gyms, right? Like no gym owners on LinkedIn. Yeah. But like, I, I started like, you know, Grant Cardone was actually my first one. I was like, I mean, I don't think I would ever use his pitch anymore, but that's yeah. what I first adapted to. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna use this. It makes sense. It's sounds a little pushy, but then eventually I uh you know, uh, went to a, a sales conference for my body to learn from Barry Ryan. I, I ever heard of Barry Ryan? No, I Barry haven't Ryan. actually. No. So he has a sales strategy called selling through curiosity. Oh, I definitely am bored with that for sure. Um, and yeah, and he's a Stanford professor actually for entrepreneurship. And I mean, he's helped Salesforce, Oracle, those big companies in Silicon Valley. And like, 
it's so basic, but like everything's open ended. It's like, all right, so how are you doing that today? You know, what do you think is going to fix that? Or what are you doing to fix that right now? You know, and, and just layering. So first you got to identify a problem and then find potential solution, impact, and then like current situation. Oh, it's current situation, problem, uh, impact, and solution. Yeah. And then like it's just like a three box of open-ended questions and you just, it's like a wheel. Yeah. And okay. then once I figured that out, I was, just, I was, I took off. Before we get into the weeds on that, which I definitely want to do with you, you brought up something around like adapting to your arsenal. And I think this is a really good you know, segue into this theme of you're kind of like copycatting your way to success. And I say that in the best way possible. Oh yeah. And it's like, even as a sales trainer, you know, I would compare what I do a lot with someone that makes uh, YouTube videos, let's say that's a chef that uh, shares their recipes. They might share their cookie recipe, but they didn't invent cookies. You know what I mean? Like they're sharing their best chocolate chip cookie recipe, but it's their twist and their flavor on something that's been, that people have been cooking for a long time. And I think sales is a lot like that too, where people are looking for this magic bullet, but it's actually all around you. It's in the reps at your company that are killing it. Right. Yeah. It's in reps that are selling similar solutions to you, sharing their best practices on LinkedIn. It's sales it's, trainers like myself. It's books. It's YouTube videos, like you said. So it's people doing it. Exactly. So that's one thing that sticks out to me about you that, that you're doing. And when you said adapt your arsenal, I was curious, do you think that like athletes, salespeople have sort of natural God-given abilities, so to speak, and like strengths and weaknesses that they need to kind of play into? when they're figuring out like their sales style? I think they do. Um, yeah. There are some people who are great at emails. I mean, if like they have an email, they send it out and it gets viewed. They're booking it. They're, they're getting a conversation. And there's just some people who are on the phone. I mean, their tone is perfect and their, their message is perfect. And it's, it's almost like if they got them on the phone, they have like a 30% chance of converting that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, it's like just being good at one thing is not good enough. I mean, especially in today's world, it's just, you're not going to be able to just have, it, you can't control your connection, right? Like if you can convert, right. But you can't control your connection, right. And like, that's why the other channels matter and being effective in each channel means a lot. Um, so I, I always try to be a jack of all trades. That's my goal. Um, I want to, I want to be good at emails. I want to be good at the fo- on the phone. I even want to be good on LinkedIn, even though it, it can be, it's a lot. Yeah. LinkedIn's a, <laughs> like making posts every week. Ah, just like, yeah. I mean, every day, like I know, I know the power of it. Like the thing is like, I, I can't prove it. That's the thing with LinkedIn. You can't really prove anything that works from it. But well, like, I feel like measure. some people interact with me more because yeah. they, they view my LinkedIn profile and like, they see my number or they see an email come from me and they're like, yeah, they they will reply. Yeah, and it's just like that familiarity that gets built. That's so hard to measure because the tools don't really interact with LinkedIn very well. You know, your sales yeah. engagement tools and things like that. So, what are some of the things like when you've looked at with prospecting? Because you struggled at first, is what you said. Oh yeah, and then now you've become uh, very good at it you know, with what you're doing at SalesLoft. What are some of those things that you quote unquote copycatted? You know, what were some of the things that you have seen? earlier in your career that other people were doing or things that you watched where you're like, you know, here's two or three things that I'm not doing that I can 
that I can just emulate what someone else is doing? What are, what are some of those things that you've picked up? So some of the things I picked up, um, one was getting calls out early in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that was super helpful for me um, because like, I would like almost like wait for this perfect time to call people. And then like, I'd kind of have this like overwhelm this feeling of having to make calls last minute versus like knocking them out in the morning, getting rejected hard and early, but I failed, I failed early, failed fast. I failed forward. Right. And, but from there, I just, I took what our top performer was doing when I started at sales loft. I just started saying what he was saying. Just then like once eventually I got through an introduction, now it was like practicing objection handling. So reading Jeb Blunt, I use a lot of his objection handling techniques to combat what more prospects were saying to me and it was working and it was like, all right, this is, there's something solid here. Right. Mm-hmm. And then after I was done reading Jeb Blunt, you know, he, you know, I know we talked about like, you, you not the biggest fan of fanatical prospecting, but there are some really good golden nuggets in there too, you know? I like the book. I don't want to say that I'm not a big fan of fanatical prospecting. <laughs> um, I like the book. In my personal opinion, I didn't think it was tactical enough. My personal opinion. It was very think, basic, yeah. But I think it's a good book. And I love Jeb's stuff, just just so that's clear. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it wasn't tactical enough for me, personally. Yeah, and that's what I think. I think it's a great like this is what you need to be successful. This is your fundamental, this is your foundation you need to build on. And, and that's what helped me do build the foundation. Then Justin keeps reaching out to me. Justin Michael. Yeah. Justin Michael. I can never book him on a demo, but it's the best conversation cold call I've ever made in my life. Cause the guy just keeps feeding me knowledge on how to get better. And then he's like, all right, this is what you need to do. Combo prospecting. I'm like what's combo prospecting. And then he taught me how to do the uh, call, voicemail, email, call, voicemail, email, call, voicemail, email, LinkedIn, you know, like mixing in other touches, you know, at a high, high rate right away. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, it's an ADD world. Everyone's on their phone and they're not going to, they're not, if they don't answer your call, they're going to get a one, they get one ping. Right. And then the voicemail ping, email ping. Now you just caught their attention. Even if they tell you they're not interested you can reach out two weeks and now they know who you are. Like yeah. in some way, somehow they know who you are and you just keep delivering the same um, value. So let's, let's dig into some of these actually. So uh, this combo prospecting great book, by the way, by Tony Hughes. Mm-hmm. So Justin was very involved, I, I guess, in the, in the writing of that book and the yeah. content and stuff like that. Um, Let's talk combo prospecting because this gets brought up a lot. I hear this from a lot of reps. This is like their go-to strategy, like mixing, you know, a couple channels together and doing three hits, like three touches every time you go to reach out to someone. Um, how do you implement this? Like, what might this look like? Maybe share a little bit more about who your prospect is, and then what would something like this, when you execute it, what would that look or sound like? So, yeah, that's. That's a great question. So it, it really has to, you know, first go based off of tiers. Um, so if it's a tier one, I want to make sure I have that email pre-written, like it's personalized. And I don't, and the, the goal is for me, I, if I have a good email, I don't want it to go get lost in your inbox because it's not a template. It was personalized. And it was to the point. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll pre-write it when scrubbing the account. And then when it's time to make the first call, or send the first email, 
I'll have that template already uh, made in my notes on Sales Loft, and I'll pull it in and then make the call, leave the voicemail, be like, hey, this is Bill Sturgis over at Sales Loft. I'm leaving you an e I'm sending you an email in your inbox if that's the way you prefer to communicate under missed you earlier. Feel free to reply to that. Um, if not, I'll, I'll, I'll follow up with another call. And it's like, boom, done, sent, like, log the left voicemail, then send the email. And it's crazy how like, they will click the email and they'll click it more than three yeah. times. And so you and know they're engaging with it. They're like, I want to point out just a couple things in there I think you did that are really important. One, when you leave the voicemail, you're directing them to the email. Mm-hmm. And two, you tell them what the subject line is going to yep. be of the email. And, and then you actually send the email right then too. Yeah, right then there. Yeah. So one way to think of voicemail that's interesting, I don't know why I never thought of this. I, I, I can't remember who said it. But he was like, voicemail, like think of how many people listen to their voicemail. No think one. of the per- I well, think a lot of people do. do. No, it, gets, what, I, it gets transcribed and emailed to them. That's what I meant. It, it comes yeah. up as a text yeah. for them. So, so think I, about the view rate of a, it. yeah. So think about the rate at which an, a voicemail is either listened to or viewed compared to an email. Dude, it's got to be 50 plus percent every time. People are going to at least see it. And then with email, that's the hardest <clears> part is getting someone to open your freaking email. Yeah, exactly. Or like getting them to recognize why you're reaching out, right? This is why I'm reaching out. It's yeah. like, if you don't want to reply to my email, at least pick up the call. Like I told yeah. you I'm going to follow up with a call. So like mm-hmm. pick up a call. I'm there. I'm going to be in your <laughs> voicemail every time I, t- I, I make a call to you. Yeah. So with the email, you said that you actually pre-write the email. So, so first one I do, yes. And then yeah. like eventually when it gets down the chain a little bit, I'll start being more persona based and like this is how we can help your persona for the email. Yeah. Very quick, very easy. Um, but yeah, like it's it's very personalized in the beginning. But then you know eventually when it gets near that twentieth step, it's like mm-hmm. you're yeah. not engaging. I just <laughs> yeah. So with this email, though, I think that I just want to get really tactical here because this is where a lot of people want to, they really want to know how they should sequence properly. So what I'm hearing from you is you actually write the email first, knowing that the person's probably you're going to get their voicemail. But even if they pick up the phone, you still have that email. And I'm assuming you take the content from that email and borrow that or use part of that or all of it for your call. Is the messaging very similar? Uh, yeah. So the messaging, not... So it's based on, it's, it's personalized. So it's like, it's just for that person. Right. Yeah. And then like what I'll do is I always try to separate my tier ones from my tier twos yeah. as best as I can. Sometimes how do you separate I'll, them? I just drop them in different cadences. In sales well, like models. how do you determine what's a tier one or a tier two for you personally? Just out of curiosity. Um, from like common industry we work in. Okay. And then so SAS probably for you guys is yeah. SAS. Um, but also that I don't really stop there either. It's like, what does your, what does your network look like? You know, working in enterprise now, it's like a lot of teams have, uh, partnerships and say, all right, so who do you work with that we might work with? Right. And like make that familiar. That, that for me is a tier one, because it's a reason at least to have a brief discussion to see if this could be a fit. It's like using a common contact. Because especially you're reaching out, you're reaching out to a CRO, you're reaching out to a VP of sales, you're reaching out to sometimes mid-managers, uh, mid right? Mm-hmm. 
the last thing they really want to hear is like, this is kind of something that could be a risk. Like when you tell them like, Hey, actually working with your partners who are customers, such as XYZ, like, have you heard our name tossed around? That's a, that's another thing I copied from Armin. Well, yeah. I just made it my own. He I think he got it back. from somewhere else too, though. But uh, great, great See, line. There you go. So let's uh, let's dissect this. And I know we're getting like really in the weeds, but what you're sharing here is really, really good stuff. So this concept of combo prospecting, I'm going to hit them through email, phone, leave a voicemail, that kind of thing. Hit them three mm -hmm. times. And then now we're getting into the messaging. When you go to personalize this, am I hearing you correctly? And that you're looking at this company and you're doing a couple things. You're looking at, is this company, like, do they have partners listed on their site or customers, something like that, mm -hmm. that we also work with? Exactly. And when you go to reach out to that person, what does the subject line say? Are you really open about that in the subject line and, or, or in the body of the email? Like, what, is the, what does that part sound like? Um, so, it, what I'll be, so, what I'll do, I'll find the comment. So, in the email, it's always like, find the common contact, right? Mm -hmm. And then also find something that's happening to them right now it's relevant mm -hmm. and talk about that in the beginning hey like i noticed you recently acquired a company you know x like table.com and you know i'm sure with that recent acquisition you're gonna there's gonna be a strong focus on how you can make a more robust pipeline with your new offerings to your market actually sales loft is working with a couple of your partner companies xyz with doing so through by blank right by doing this based on persona, what they, they yeah. possibly care about. I'm not sure if this is good for you, for you but I'm curious if you're interested to, you know, if, uh, to learn ideas on how we're helping common teams in your network. Yeah. So, dude, you're really playing on the like bandwagon effect of, oh, shoot, people that I know and respect are using your stuff. Like, yeah. I should at least have a conversation with you, you know? So, you're very, very open. You lead with that in your emails, it sounds like, like, Hey, let me find a trigger or something going on that I saw, which we can get into those in a second. But it's like, Hey, I just, I looked at your website or found somewhere that there's a lot of mutual affiliation between the people we work with and help and the people that you work with and help or that are friends mm -hmm. with or whatever. For sure. But it goes back, right. We were talking about sports before like this. Right. And you know, being an athlete, right? If you had a trainer trying to sell you and he was like, hey, uh, you play for LaSalle High School. Um, and actually I'm working with this, uh, one of your teammates, Josh, right? And like, let's say Josh is a superstar. Yeah. He's like, yeah, like actually I worked with him this summer uh, about uh, around building speed and gaining muscle. Uh, I know that you're a D lineman, and I'm sure one of the things is uh, increasing your acceleration, being more quick off your first step, and also having strength behind that. You mind? Would you be open to like visiting my gym to show you like, a plan that we could adapt <laughs> to make you better? I'd be like, when? Yeah, I'll when? Be there right now. Yeah. <laughs> right now, there's no risk. Like yeah. Josh is killing it. Like you yeah. know, like I mean, it's it's common sense. I, I don't feel any risk. I don't feel like I'm getting dragged into something I don't want to talk. Yeah. And that's all we're that. looking, you know, like, yeah. especially being a frontline person, like you're looking for a conversation, not set the demo conversation. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, like you don't want to waste their time. You generally don't want to waste their time. Look to start the conversation. Don't look to book them. Yeah. 
Okay. I love this, dude. So you mentioned something else there that's so important. Look for the conversation, not to book them. Can you elaborate on that? Because that's what I see SDRs especially making a huge mistake with right now where it's like, they're so, can you do a demo tomorrow? It'll only take 15 minutes of your time. Can I get five minutes of your time tomorrow to book you for a demo with my, you know, it's like, it's very focused on taking that person's time versus Mm. I always say, teach, don't take. What can you share with them? And sharing what their peers doing. A lot of people want to know what their peers are doing, right? But can you expand a little bit more on what what, what you were saying there around like not booking them, but just starting a conversation? So what I meant by that is, you know, when you go into I think when you go into the mindsets to book them, you're like trying to direct the conversation for yourself. Yeah. But when you go in with a mindset, a mindset of actually learning about them, and actually understanding what they care about. Yeah, you don't have a lot of time, but you can do this by just, you know, like kind of like making a list of what type of talk tracks you can go down, right? Like Mm -hmm. for me, I could be like, hey, are you more focused on managing pipeline? I mean, generating pipeline or managing current pipeline? It's that curiosity coming into play right here. Exactly. Um, But from there, you just keep opening the open-ended questions. Well, like, hey, Jason, um, I, I told you I would keep this brief, but... You know, would you be interested in uh, into a discovery call where we can share you more ideas that you can take away with you, regardless of if you go with our platform yeah. or not? So this is the cold call we're talking about, right? Yeah. Okay. Like we have a lot of insights of how we're working with other sales teams like your partners today. Like, would you be open to just doing a discovery call with one of my AEs uh, to learn more and share with you some insights that could help you today, regardless of using our platform? Yeah, dude, that's the teach don't take philosophy right there. Exactly. Like I love that because it's it's not an ask for their time without something in return. Mm-hmm. Like there is a and it's like sales lot. You know what I want to know? I want to know what's working well for your other customers that are like me. Who doesn't want to know that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so let's uh, let's backtrack. We talked about combo prospecting. You said calling early in the morning. This would be kind of what I wanted to dig into with your calls. So why call in the morning when maybe some of the data might tell you that the contact rates are higher and then then we'll dig into your cold call, man. Yeah. So uh, calling in the morning, A, if you get someone, they can't give you the excuse. Like, I don't have any time for this. Like, like, no, you do. You're, you're not, you're just walked in. Come on. And and also I think it's kind of respectful too. When you call someone in the morning, especially I'm calling on sales leaders, they're in there early morning because they have meetings throughout the day. It's packed. It's like, hey, I know that you're a sales leader and like you're you're probably once nine o'clock hits, your day is all the way, you know, going goes all the way to five thirty with meetings. So why don't you catch you early? I noticed this and then you make your hypothesis. You make your you 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 tell them why you're reaching out, right? Yeah. I feel like it's just more receptive. And also, like, if you have a bad call, guess what? It's 7.30 in the morning. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. And it's like, you got a long day. You got, like a, you got a long day ahead of you to make it right. So I think it gives you that positive mindset. You get the worst thing done, right? The worst thing done for the yeah. day. You it's get like all that, like, anxiousness out. Eat the frog. <laughs> exactly. As they say, uh, as Brian Tracy says, I think. Um, okay, so with your call... I love that intro, by the way, with a sales leader where it's, you know, you're just acknowledging it's just empathy. That's all it is, dude. You're acknowledging that you're catching that of a time that's early. 
and you're telling them the reason why you're calling is that they probably have a bunch of meetings coming up. Like, I love that, man. Um, well, it also gives you credibility too, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, wow. <laughs> well, Bill, that is my day. <laughs> but yeah. how do you know that? Well, because I work with other sales leaders. Yeah. Yeah. Intrigue, right? Now I'm like, oh, yeah, well, what do you guys do? It's going to be. And, and I imagine a lot of people probably know who Sales Loft is you know, that, that you're calling, but you'll be surprised. Like oh, you yeah? get down to the lower markets of like SMB, like there's a lot of teams that are not familiar with sales engagement. They'll think they have it. It's crazy, huh? Do you have yeah. like sales engagement? What are you guys using? Oh yeah. We're using uh, you know, HubSpot. Okay. <laughs> or, oh yeah. We're using Salesforce. We're using not a sales engagement. Yeah. Oh, that's my favorite one. Yeah. An email <laughs> marketing uh, automation platform, right? That's not a sales engagement tool. If you can't, if it doesn't help you sequence and make phone calls, it's not a sales engagement. Well, they'll be like, well, it works perfectly fine for my sales reps to send out one-on-one emails. I'm like, do you pay attention to anything like educational into your like industry? Like there's multiple, like, like multiple studies saying like you have like a 38% 38% chance higher rate of going into spam when your sales reps are sending one-on-one, one, one-to-one emails out yeah. of marketing automation. Yeah. So like you, you have a, th- I don't know, it's sometimes yeah. a frustration. Yeah. The, uh, but you have to also understand like they never, like, they, they're human. Yeah. And you just have to level with it and then like try to beg, well, how does it do this? Well, how's that fixing that problem right now? Mm-hmm. So with yeah. your cold calls with these sales leaders, let's, I want to go through a couple of uh, uh, just ways that you typically handle objections. Like what are the most, what are the top two or three most common objections you typically get when you're hitting the phones? I uh, budget and not the right person. Oh, okay. So does, does the budget thing come up where people are like, yeah, you got me. We're not spending any money on tools right now, Billy. But that's when I just go like, look, I get it. It's like, we just were, we've been impacted by COVID. I'm pretty sure we're not buying, but there is going to be a time when COVID is over with. And all we want, all we, all we want to do is share with you some insights on what other teams are doing in your network and how they're improving some of these frustrations we mentioned prior in this call. Would that be worth 30 minutes of your time? You know? Yeah. So again, you go back to, Selling the conversation and the insights, not the demo. Not the demo. Yep. If you sell a demo, like it's like, ugh. <laughs> Especially for a sales Shit. leader, dude. They're like, like for, okay, come on. <laughs> it's like it's like corporate bro, bro videos. Like, ah, oh, I don't like yeah, it was like one of these videos, like, I don't get it. Like they need us and they don't want the product. It's like yeah. people naturally don't want to be sold. They want to get but they do want to understand how they can be better. Yeah. They don't want no, to be sold. They want to know how they can be better. They'll buy if it's going to make them better. Yeah. No, I love that, man. So, so budget, what was the, what was the other one? Um, not the right person. Not the right this person. You get very frustrating because you yeah. know you have the right person. So let's say I'm a, I'm a VP of sales and I'm like, uh, Billy, yeah, sales left. Very aware. I'm not the right person to talk to you, man. So there's two ways. I think the wrong, there's a lot of people that do this the wrong way. Um, and you know, this is from mind body. This is from sales. My time at sales loft is like they try to make them the right person. Mm-hmm. So then I kind of go into a smart calling procedure. So art Zobiak. Uh, Zob- yeah. Art Zobiak. Sobchak. Uh, 
Sob check. Oh god. I know it's hard. I'm I know I know art it. though. I know art, so I've like listened to it. You know? So I read his book as well. Um <laughs> I still impl- I implement I've copycat some of his strategies as well. Um and I'd just say, all right, like if you're the wrong person, like salesperson to salesperson right now, like who should I be going after? And like worth things that they're trying to solve. Like like I just want to make sure it's worth going after that. And how do people respond to that? Us, you know, if you actually had a good conversation and like you kind of feel like they are the wrong person, they're more open to it. Um, it could go 50-50. Like it's sales. There's no silver bullet to it. Yeah. You're the wrong person. Like I just want to level with you. I'm not trying to sell you now. Like you've been you've been in my shoes as a, a VP of sales. I'm pretty sure you've had a prospect. I just want to make sure it's a good fit. Like where are you guys like if like what is this guy focused on? So when I reach out to him, or I should like, or even know if I should reach out to him. Yeah. So you're asking for help, and the yes, I want to level with you thing. That's a, a Beck Holland. Uh, I don't know if you follow any of Beck's stuff, but that's, I do follow Beck stuff. I just mm. time to time. I mean, there's so many people to follow. I know Beck has great. Beck has a great strategy. Um, yep. I believe in her concept of always like don't send out templates. Yeah. Uh, Yep. Which sometimes can be very hard to do. Like you're like sometimes dead, like you get frustrated with your research. Like ah, I send it. Yeah. But in the back of your head, you're like, this is a good account. <laughs> Don't do yeah. it. <laughs> so how do you respond if someone says, "I'm busy"? Send me an email. <laughs> Here's a, this is a good one. I know. Um, I'm totally putting you on the spot. I know. Uh, <laughs> You're doing a good job, though, man. I, I love this. There's some. If I honestly cool don't have here. a lot on them, I'll be like, "Hey, look, I would love to send you an email, but um, I don't think I'd be able to explain what I uh, want to talk to you about in an email. So I'll just follow up with another call." And then they'll be like, "Well, what do you do?" So that kind of traps them like, a little bit. Yeah. It's like I don't want this guy to keep calling me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm busy. Send me an email. Or, all right, let's let's clarify. Is it just I'm busy or I'm busy? Send me an email. I mean, sometimes people say that at the same time, right? I'm busy. Just send me an email about it, right? Honestly, they're just, they're kind of rude and they just hang up after I can never send the email. Like, oh yeah, you, you know well, to. so I can just get like send me to the slaughterhouse of do not contact. Mm-hmm. Like, no, yeah. I'm not going to send you that. Um, I mean, there's a lot of way like for selling through curiosity. You could be like, all right, like, hey, I understand. Like, you know, this is why it's a cold call, but curious like you know what are you interested in that would catch your eye in an email yeah that's a good one because now Cause, like you get to see like how serious yeah. they are because then i if i was interested i'd say something like well hey you mentioned these other companies that you're working with how are they using your tool mm-hmm. well yeah um well the way they're using our tools for two uh two main reasons oh three main reasons it's uh one call coaching or generating pipeline creating uh repetitive repeatable actions for the reps to execute on are better managing deals. Like which one are you more focused on? Yeah. I love this dude. Love it. Right. Yeah. So like, the K back. Like, no. Yes. They got to give you an answer. Yeah. Well, you're talking about stuff that's top of mind for them too. Yeah. You know, exactly. so, so you guys have a lot of awareness. It sounds like around the people that you're reaching out to, you guys are very aware of what's top of mind for them right now and what the yeah, priorities we, are. We do extensive persona training. I mean, it's the best type of personalization you can do. Yeah. How do you guys 
yeah, how do you guys train that internally? Like, uh, what can you share with us around how you guys talk about personas or educate, you know, each other on personas and things that you're finding? Well, that we have a, resonating with. Mm-hmm. we have a uh, great sales enablement team, so they they send us very helpful stuff. Whether it comes to content or that's important to sales engagement, whether it's mm-hmm. like. Hey, like people are reasoning, uh, people are learning that it takes 20 touches to actually have a successful outbound cadence, right? Mm-hmm. And this is why. And like we have that on deck. And they, so if we're on a call, we can explain that article to someone and the reason why it's important. Um, on top of that, we have our own meeting intelligence platform. So, like, time to time, we'll be in the Slack channel. They're like, hey, check out this call. Like, this objection right here, they handle it really well. or the way they pitch the persona here. Um, and we have files based on personas in the meeting intelligence platform. Um, on top of that, it's just, it, you, you do have a lot. So there's like, we even have a list of like, this is what we saw for like based on common challenges for each persona, yeah. like bullet points. And then all, it will also explain why, like what do we do to explain, like you have to solve it. So you can put that together in, Hey, a common frustration that sales operations leaders tend to see is inconsistent lead follow-up and data integrity around Salesforce. Do you, are you seeing those frustrations today? Right. Yeah. No, I love that. Uh, It sounds like your enablement team does a really, really good job of not only sharing this information with you, but having the right information. Exactly. Um, And that's what I find super helpful. But for me, like I go, I like to go a little bit, one step be, uh, beyond it, like I do my own research. Like, all right, we're uh, like, I just use Google. Like, Google's amazing. Like, you can find anything, right? Like, I, I'll Google, like, what do sales operations people struggle with in 2020? Yeah. And you'll find a whole bunch of stuff. And it's crazy. Like, you know, this is why sales engagement is so important. You, I mean, you see outreach with the recent funding. Um, you see us getting funding as well. Um, and it's because it's literally solving these modern day problems. Like, and then they're like having new problems and they're finding out sales and like sales engagement is going to solve that problem. Yeah. You know, because we're automating the way revenues, like revenue cycles go. Yeah. You know, from not just SDR from AE now to customer success and account management. Yeah. So what part of, cause you mentioned not doing too many templates and stuff like that. And you guys are a sales engagement platform, right? Which implies mm-hmm. automation and sequencing. How do you decide what parts of the outbound process, like what do you automate? Uh, automate? What parts of it are automated? Um, for me, nur- all my nurture campaigns are automated. So, so everything, what, what are the nurture campaigns? These are like I've connected and like or something or not right timing. Yeah, which could be not interested sometimes, but yeah, who knows. Um, but yeah, so people are like, hey, I just signed with Outreach, especially when I was in SMB. Like, we just signed with Outreach two months ago. Even if I sent you, sent you over, it's going to get DQ'd. So I don't want to send yeah. you over there, right? So I'll put them on nurture for like six months. Like, it's yeah. just an email every month. Um, my, tier, my tier threes and sometimes tier twos, like, depending, I have like, I, I split my tier twos and I, like, in half. I'm like, this could be a tier one, you learn more. So I'm going to personalize with it. Yeah. Um, but the parts I do is like, 
again, a lot of my cadences, at the end of the cadence, it gets very automated, right? Just send okay. it out. So like your first like couple touches right are very heavy on the personalization typically. And then your tier threes and some of your tier twos, you're we'll like, go automated. you're like, Hey, I can do a little, and do you, with the automated ones, do you maybe personalize like the first sentence in the first email or anything, or is it a complete, is it completely automated, automated templates? Completely automated because honestly, sometimes with tier three, tier two, I don't have enough information on them and that's why they'll be in that cadence. Yeah. And I'll try the more smart calling approach. I'm not yeah. really looking for you to engage with my email. I'm looking actually to get you on the phone. And if I can get you on the email, yeah. that's great. But I'm looking for you to send me to someone else. I want to get yeah. information out of you. I want to go to someone else or get information out of you to learn like I should DQ this account. Yeah. Like boom, it's done. Yeah. So for um, your tier ones, what does the mix of automation look like? Mix of automation. Just, so, just an example. I know it might be different, you know, depending on who you're going after, but like what parts of the sequence get automated? Hmm. What part? So that's, that's like, so about like, I do like around 10 to nine touches as personalized as I can be, as, as can be, such as LinkedIn. Oh, wow. I mean, but all that's automated regardless too, because it's pushing me to the next step. You know how cadences work. Yeah. You know, like, so you're pre-personalizing. Yeah. Like you might pre-personalize something, get a sequence going. It's got some personalized touches in there and then it's going to remind you to follow up. Yeah. And go in. So, so the automation for you on the tier ones, it sounds like mostly is like the cadence is just going to keep me structured with the, the activities. Exactly. Up on those. And then you're manually hitting send. On most yeah, of for sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm not, I'm not like pulling up a bunch of people into like one tab and be like, send an email with all like the subject lines filled in already, you know, like those fields for like first day. Yeah. So this I is used like to a do shell, that. With, it's like a shell uh, cadence essentially that you're setting up on the tier ones. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like a mixture. I write, I have all my ma- information to be personalized. It yeah. makes it, it makes it easy for me to be a lot faster in that process. And that's what the automation does. Allows me to be super personalized, but work faster as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's how I have it set up. Um, it's really not in my jurisdiction. Like we get some leeway on how to make our own cadences, but we still have to stick to a, a formalized yeah. process for the team. Well, you guys have millions of data points, literally from all your customers to where it's like, you at least know the right sequence of activities, I would imagine, you know, for getting in touch with people. Oh yeah. I mean, we have a lot of cool data on some companies and what they've done for like a big book of cadence. Yeah, I mean, we we there is one company that crushes it with a, a, a social cadence, super hard to implement, but it, yeah. it's like almost it's like about eighteen touches of social before they make the first like call. It's eighteen Whoa. touches of social and email before they make the first call. That's pretty but cool, it's, actually, it's because super, like that first call, I bet is super warm. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's super resonating with like a CRO, mm-hmm. but or a C-level executive. But on top of that, it's also all based if they connect with you on LinkedIn. <laughs> so like yeah. you have to like wait two or three days to see if they connect with you. If not, throw them in a normal, normal cadence. Interesting. Well, dude, yeah. this was jam packed full of uh, really good stuff. So I appreciate you sharing this. Um, we're out of time, dude. So like before you take off, what, uh, where do you want people to go to check your stuff out, man? And, and like connect with you. Um, I'm always on LinkedIn. Um, I'm open, you know, 
regardless, any way I can help anyone, I'm all, I'm all about it. Like sometimes I can't help you, but if I can, I will do my best. And I'm always open for a chat with anyone on LinkedIn. So I am going to start making more content. It's just been a pretty hectic month right now, but I have my information. You can shoot me an email. Like I'm always open to learning and teaching whatever, whatever way I can help. So there you go. That's the interview with Billy. One of the big things he stuck out and gets something I say a lot too, is this importance of look for the conversation, not to book them, really approach it with what can I learn about this person and their situation, what problems they might be having, and really start a conversation with around the insights that I can share with them. So hope you dug it. One quick favor, if you could please leave a quick review if you dug the podcast, honest review. You can do it right on iTunes. So if you got your player open there with iTunes, you can do it or search for Blissful Prospecting on iTunes. Leave a quick review. Let me know what you thought. It would really help so we can make sure to continue growing the show and getting on great guests. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.